Hi, you're listening to Legal Tech Lab. We're talking about the broad application of new technologies in the legal sector. We share our views about the digital transformation of law firms and discuss the opportunities that arise from innovating in the legal markets. Today we're talking to Givran Freitas. He's a French lawyer working in the field of entrepreneurship and new technologies, both in Europe and in Africa. He's currently the COO at Legal Doctrine, an Algerian legal tech startup giving access to a legal database and legal monitoring system. Gibran also co-founded Legal Tech Africa, a program aimed at providing legal support to startup ecosystems in Africa. Hello, Gibran. Thank you very much for accepting our invitation and being here with us today. You're the first to start the series of the episodes in English and also a series of the episodes about the legal tech markets abroad. Today we wanted to talk about the legal tech market in Africa, but the topic seems very broad. Why don't we start by defining whether legal tech in Africa is a national phenomenon or does it follow the institutional collaborations such as OHADA? The floor is yours. Yes, sure. So thanks a lot, Iga and uh, Roman, for the invitation. I'm really pleased to be speaking with you today. So um, as you said, I'm, I'm working in legal tech in Africa myself. So I work in a, in a legal tech startup, which is based in Algeria. Uh, it's called Legal Doctrine and it's a legal database. Um, it has been uh, named twice as the best African legal tech startup. Uh, it was contesting against uh, around 50 startups um, in the whole African continent. And as you said, you know, it's, the African continent is based of uh, more than 54 countries. So it's quite hard to talk about uh, an African legal tech market since uh, just like Europe, you know, you don't really have um, a European market yet. Uh, you have a few actors uh, actively trying to develop uh, scalable solutions across Europe. But uh, since law obviously is different, and since um, you know countries don't uh, have the same level of, uh, let's say, um, appreciation of legal tech, whether it's because of uh, internet connection or uh, some other issues such as language, etc., uh, it's quite hard actually to talk about an African legal tech market. Um, what we can see is that uh, if you could divide, um, it's not really accurate, but uh, if you could divide legal systems in, in Africa, you would have maybe like four major systems, uh, like you'd have civil law, which is uh, the main um, uh, legal um, like system you can find, for instance, in, in Europe, in France, in Germany, etc. Uh, you have common law, obviously, which is... Um, quite used in the, um, the, the English-speaking part of, uh, of uh, Africa. You have custom law, which is also a kind of uh, legal um, system which is used in most countries right now in, in Africa. And you also have Muslim law, uh, which is uh, mainly uh, used in like the northern part of Africa, in the Maghreb region. So, you know, you, you have a few organizations uh, which actually um, try to combine and to unify legislations. You have, for instance, the OHADA, 
which is uh, a gathering of 17 countries uh, which share the same business law. It's actually a really interesting um, project, you know, um, like you have 17 countries in Africa, mainly French-speaking countries in the sub-Saharan Africa, which share the same business law. So, of course, uh, it can be a good opportunity, for instance, for uh, legal startup to develop in these uh, countries. Uh, but you really have to, to adapt because one country is not really like um, uh, on the same level as the other. You have the um, digital signature problem issue. So, yeah, um, I think we cannot yet speak uh, about an African legal tech market. But there are some good opportunities, um, which mainly rely on the fact that some areas have the same uh, legislation um, in terms of uh, business law. So if you say that there, there are opportunities and they, they are already few legal tech on African markets, where the innovation come from in, um, in Africa? Is it from foreign law firms that uh, come with their solution that they can spread to their clients or other law firms or are there more local law firms or local actors that are trying to to develop this uh, this uh, this new solution for the market the market yeah that, that's a great question actually roman um of course uh foreign law firms uh have an edge uh, when you talk about innovation if even if you if you speak like for instance about about friends uh, you see that uh, English-speaking law, um, like uh, English um, or common law, or I don't know how to call them, but <laughs> you know, like uh, American law firms or English law firms, etc. Like they have maybe a better use of technology already compared to French law firms. So of course you have uh, these foreign um, law firms who have an edge over local actors. But uh, in terms of uh, innovation, uh, you find some quite interesting um, initiatives. I have in mind this uh, South um, Southern African uh, law firm. I think it's named Bowman, something like that. And they are really innovative. They even um, developed a cryptocurrency for their law firms. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I heard about this. Yeah, so they can, uh, like, um, they actually try to create a community around this uh, cryptocurrency. So you have you have innovations locally. You have um, a few lawyers, like, to be honest, most of them actually had an experience abroad um, on an international level. Then they come back to their country or they actually, um, like, just um, go for the first time to their um, to their country. Um, to their native country and then you know they were exposed to a lot of uh, technological advances and uh, technological um, uh, legal tech solutions and they try to fit it to the the, the markets mm -hmm. but isn't it isn't it the same with the practice of law on its own I mean, what I've been hearing about the African legal market, not precisely legal tech, is that that's how basically uh, they evolve, that there is a lot of students living uh, abroad and, uh, of course, to France as well. And they then come back and they fuel 
the law firms, although also the French one, but also international ones, and may, maybe build the local law firms as well. Not sure about the culture over there, but so what I'm from what I'm understanding, it's a bit the same with the legal tech market that these two students they not only acquire the knowledge of the practice of law but also the legal tech solution so it's like the substance and the form and then they try to adapt it to the uh, legal system of their own countries and i guess gibran is a very good example of this regarding legal tech um yes yes um actually regarding the legal market like most of lawyers right now in Africa, and you have really like a big differences between countries. Also, I will talk about that um, a bit later, but you don't have um, like a monopoly on legal advice on most, on or actually many countries in Africa. So you don't have to be a licensed lawyer to, to, um, to give legal advice in many countries. But uh, what I wanted to say is that uh, for now, in many countries, lawyers mainly do litigation. Um, uh, you have a few local law firms which actually focus on uh, legal advice, whether it's a business law or uh, related topics. So when you have investors or even local entrepreneurs willing to develop projects, you know, it's quite hard to find um, an abundance and uh, especially big local law firm which can handle uh, big cases, um, because again, um, most lawyers in, in different African countries are focused on litigation. So what you see is that big four uh, corporations, uh, you know, PwC, EY, KPMG, Deloitte, etc., um, they are the one who actually um, like train the market in terms of uh, talents, in terms of um, of, of deals, etc. Uh, because they have the, um, the global presence and a lot of investors actually want not only to have a local firm working with them but also an international one because many like international corporations when they try to set uh, in in africa um, you know they're trying to develop a branch of their corporation so as you said talents are coming from africa and from abroad um, right now, they are mostly drained by big four companies and also by some uh, international law firms uh, who are already um, um, operating locally. You have a few um, local law firms um, which actually have more than, let's say, uh, 20 um, associates. But uh, the reality is that most lawyers right now in, in Africa are mostly based or actually mostly um, operating uh, on litigation and not on legal advice. So there is a big, big, big uh, opportunity for anyone willing to actually give uh, legal advice and to um, to practice law in terms of uh, legal advice to operate in, in Africa. And as you said, um, many, whether they're, they're students or they're already lawyers, many people who have links uh, with Africa whether it's because of their parents or because they were born in, in an African country, choose to go back or to discover uh, countries uh, because there is a huge opportunity. Uh, and because, as I, as I said, 
Um, you know, there is a huge opportunity on legal advice. One thing that I'd like to, to ask you, we both know, as you also work in France, how it's difficult to make uh, an old system to evolve. French, French and global European legal market hasn't um, moved forward since like 100 years, basically. But what I observe is that the African legal market, it's quite young. And I would like to ask you, do you see this as an opportunity? For example, we can observe this in uh, in China and we also observe this in uh, Poland regarding fintech, that when you build an entire system from scratch, uh, people tend to, uh, uh, from the beginning, implement a digital solution. For example, in China, this is quite a young market regarding legal services. They are very innovative thanks to this because as they are building everything from the beginning, they try from the from start to implement new solutions. And do you also see that this uh, that the fact that the African legal market is quite young uh, as a, an additional trigger for innovation? So yeah, as you said, um, technology is uh, is developing really really fast in uh, in Africa. Um, it has mainly been triggered with uh, mobile internet and uh, mobile um, mobile phone um, sales, because um, like as you said, uh, there is a huge innovation movement right now in Africa. It's uh, spreading across all sectors: uh, agriculture, finance, banking, especially. And uh, it's starting also with law, as you said. Like even like jurisdictions, um, like tribunals, administrations, institutions, law firms, obviously, and some legal um, departments of corporations weren't really like digitized. I, I would say it's it's not the same around the world because ob obviously you have countries which have really like set it as a strategy to digitize law uh, as a whole you can take for instance singapore uh, they are even giving money to their law firms to the singaporean law firms so they can buy legal tech solutions but uh, yes I, i think there is an opportunity in africa because when you don't have like um, an old system which is already uh, well set up and Obviously, you have systems which exist, but uh, in terms of technology, you have in, in actually in most countries you don't have a, a lot of developments. Like for instance, um, in France, because that's a country I, I know a lot, uh, you have what's called Legifrance, right? It's like a big database of all the the French law. Uh, it's uh, really well, uh, really well crafted. You have a lot of data. Uh, it's uh, it's really well maintained so as well. Digital legal tech is provided by the, the government, so it's basically it's free. Yes, absolutely. Uh, but uh, what you see is that most governments in in Africa, you know, they have other priorities. Um, like budget are tight, as uh, you can see around the world, and justice is not always seen as a priority. Um, of course, it is, but in terms of budget, you know, you have uh, safety issues first, you have disease issues first, um, you have um, um, a lot of other uh, concerns that uh, are seen as more um, important, maybe, or actually uh, in terms of budget. So, of course, when you're a company and you want to develop 
on a legal market because uh, there there are legal markets and you don't have like even a governmental um, initiative for instance to give access to law of course that you will have success and that's uh, that's uh, you know um, um, that's quite obvious mm -hmm. any actor whether it's public or private Uh, which brings a solutions to people and uh, access to just the basic uh, legal text is uh, is a big issue. You know they will have success. So of course, uh, the fact that there are many legal tech initiatives yet and tech initiatives in the legal uh, systems in most African countries is a big opportunity. Mm -hmm. But there, I think what we should distinguish B 2 B and B 2 C legal techs because I have an impression that. Uh, we refer a lot to the law firm being the buyers of the legal tech projects, uh, which would be B2B. But what about the customers? Are there any legal tech that are targeting the clients uh, of the legal firms? Uh, I mean, are there like platforms? What kind of legal tech do we have in, in Africa? So, yeah, I, I think it's uh, it's useful to distinguish between B2C and B2B startups. You could even add like a, a third um, category, which would be like uh, pro bono or uh, access to justice, uh, legal tech startups. Uh, what I mean by that is uh, you have a lot of uh, legal tech solutions uh, which don't even have like a business model. They just uh, revolve around um, spreading information, helping fight corruption, etc. Um, but for the rest, you know, you have um, almost the same kind of legal tech solutions as you would find in, in the rest of the world. You have uh, contract automation, which is quite popular because, uh, as I said, uh, you have 17 countries in sub-Saharan Africa which share the same um, legal um, business law uh, system. Um, again, it's the OHADA organization. So if you create a legal tech startup which um, uses um, or which gathers uh, the business law of uh, one of these countries, you actually have a potential market for the 16 others. So that's a quite popular legal tech solution. I think you have like four or five startups trying to bridge uh, that, that issue around contract automation. You also have um, um, company building. That's really popular as well because um, uh, in most African countries, if you want to create your, your company, uh, you have to make a lot of paperwork. You have to move physically in a lot of places. So having a company that helps you and that uh, carries out all the, um, the paperwork for you is actually really useful. And I think you have around like two or three companies doing that. You also have, of course, legal databases um, as the one I'm, I'm working in, which mainly focus on B2B. And to be honest, um, and even like in Europe or in the US, I would say the US is different, but in, even in the Europe, B2B solutions seems to be like the, maybe the only... The way to go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I think for B2C startups, they also have to be extremely, uh, let's say, clear, extremely good in terms of legal design, extremely good in, in terms of wording, etc. Because law is not something that people are used to, you know, to deal with on a daily basis. So corporations or, um, and businesses already know they need law. So it's much easier to 
to have success when you're a B2B legal startups, obviously. And for now, the, the most profitable and the most um, used startups are, of course, B2B startups. You spoke about legal databases. Um, this is very interesting because we often quote lack of access to data as an obstacle to legal tech development. But how is in Africa? Uh, because we know it is necessary to create some solution to have access to record decision or regulation. Yeah, so um, I would agree uh, that for uh, the most advanced um, legal tech solutions, uh, you would need a good amount of uh, quality data. I'm talking about, uh, for instance, using AI on a data set or, or predictive justice or anything like that. But to be honest, it's not something that is uh, really um, like, uh, it's not uh, mandatory. You could build a legal tech solutions without access to a big amount of legal data. Uh, that's true. In most African countries, you don't really have like what we call open data. One fact that is interesting is that uh, South Africa uh, is ranked 21st in the world. So ahead of the United States and Singapore in, term in terms of open data. And you also have Zimbabwe, which is ranked 35th uh, in the world. But to be honest, for the rest, you don't really have access to reliable data sets in terms of le legislation, regulations, etc. You have a few initiatives which are not really like um, maintained because you it, it's actually really you have to pay a lot of money uh, to have a good uh, and maintained data set. So if you don't have a business model around it, um, if you don't have budget to finance and to maintain the, um, the legal uh, data data sets, uh, it's hard. So what you see in most countries that you have some like open data websites, but they're not up to date. And what we're doing with our startup, uh, we're working closely with uh, institutions, of course. Uh, we're doing partnerships with uh, lawyers, with um, former um, uh, lawyers, etc. Uh, what we're doing is that uh, we're giving access to a high-quality database. And I think that's actually what's needed from, from the market, from the law firms, from the, um, the corporations. Uh, if you don't have a reliable and high-quality database, Um, people just won't use it. Mm -hmm. It's not reliable. Yeah, it's not reliable. So it needs a huge investment. You speak a lot about the connection that you've got with the community, about the collaboration with the lawyers, about a strong bond with the uh, local government so that they provide you with the quality data. Uh, is that a reason that maybe the foreign legal tech solutions widely spread both in Europe and in America, such as Volters Kluver or Thomson Reuters, just to name a few, they haven't been able to do what you guys are doing with the legal doctrine? No, I would say the main reason is around price. When you're, for instance, LexisNexis and you have uh, subscriptions which can cost uh, over like 1,000 euros uh, per month or per year, or I don't know, or um, that's already too much. And for the local um, corporations which are set uh, in these countries, like you don't have a lot of money to dedicate to access to data. What most corporations because that's our main clients, uh, corporations, what they need is just reliable legal data. That's all they need. They don't need the fancy AI or something like that for now. It will come, I believe. But for now, it's just basic access. 
and you cannot build an African company or a local branch of, of a multi multinational company like the same prices as you price in Europe and, or in the US, it's not possible. So I think the first barrier is price. And since, uh, you know, uh, like we work with 100% uh, um, local uh, workers here in Algeria, uh, of course, the cost of working is much lower and we can have some interesting prices which actually fit the market. So I would say the first uh, barrier is the price. You also have the language. Um, don't forget that uh, in Northern Africa, uh, like uh, the official um, legal language is Arabic. And obviously for foreign uh, legal tech solutions, Arabic might not be on the roadmap uh, before long time because that's not their market and the countries where they operate don't speak Arabic so that makes sense and you also have I think the knowledge of um, the buying mechanism in, in the countries uh, like you have to know how to sell product to local uh, businesses. Mm -hmm. I see your point however I think that and uh, we see a lot of foreign law firms establishing on the market there is just uh, to give an example, UI, there is Deloitte, you mentioned them themselves. Uh, legal product, illegal service is a legal product. Legal tech service or product is also a product. So if they manage to know how to sell the legal service, why don't they manage the know-how of the sale of the legal tech product? Because I see that all the factors that you mentioned, the language, the approach, the pricing, Mm, do they operate with the foreign companies? But the foreign companies at the same time could be the client and the potential customer of the legal tech solutions. How do you see that? Yes, so I think there are two questions in your question. You're talking about, like, for instance, the big four legal companies such as EY, etc. And you also have the foreign legal tech vendors, right? So I believe big four companies actually have a good... Um, a good way of approaching business in Africa. They focus on high-end clients. They rely on their big uh, infrastructure in terms of uh, technology, in terms of, uh, uh, of um, uh, people in, in different countries. So, you know, they have the, the network, etc. But when it comes to legal techs, um, let's say, for instance, you have a contract automation platform and one of the most important steps for your platform is a digital signature, right? If you come in a country where digital signature is not yet recognized in law, that will fail your entire model uh, because you will have the whole workflow which relies on having everything done digitally requiring to print your documents, to sign it manually, and then, you know, it kind of lose uh, its uh, its edge on the, um, on using a word uh, solution or etc. you know. So I think there are a lot of factors which actually explain that it's hard for a legal tech solution to develop in, in an African country. But really, I, I really believe that the, the most uh, pressing one is the pricing. If you want to make a profit as a foreign legal tech solution company, you have to price your solution a certain amount. And again, even for local branches of multinationals, I'm not sure it's a good trade-off to, to dedicate such an amount for a solution that maybe, like even in, in inside the company, they won't really use. Because let's not forget that even if you have a great solution, what you also need to have is like digital culture inside of the company. 
that's another um, issue or that's another reason also you know we also need to have some legal education programs aimed at legal tech you have quite a few developing in Europe in the US but for now in Africa apart from Senegal which actually launched a legal tech bachelor degree last year you don't really have yet that approach to legal and tech okay thank you this this is very interesting um, so now that you, you explained that there is a big market for a local provider and it should start from the inside as it is more adapted to local reality so where do you see opportunities for uh, african legal tech what in your opinion do african lawyers and individuals need more regarding to optimization but also regarding to access to justice so um I would like to clarify one point. I think there are opportunities for all actors really around the world. The main point is to be really willing to to adapt. That's something we have seen in a lot of uh, markets. Uh, for instance, when uh, international players try to settle in uh, in China, you know, if they didn't adapt their model, they just couldn't make it. So I think there is opportunity for everyone, but uh, one really has to dedicate a lot of time and thinking in terms of how can I fit my model. Um, in terms of uh, opportunities, you have legal databases. I think that's the main um, the main opportunity right now because uh, literally it's the base of legal data. Uh, it's really important. Everyone knows that it's important. The government knows it. The businesses knows it. Um, the citizens, of course, knows it. So legal databases is uh, really um, the maybe the biggest opportunity right now. It's also the most challenging one because you really have to be working locally uh, to have a good team uh, working with you because you know you're touching to law. So you have to to have good processes to check everything, etc. You have to have a, a good network of uh, people who can help you uh, get you access to to the texts. Um, you also have SMS-based apps uh, because obviously one point that uh, is important to mention is that internet connection in most African countries is a bit uh, unreliable. You have countries where internet is actually getting better and better, but overall internet connection is a bit unreliable. So SMS-based apps actually are working. Um, in terms of business model, I don't really know how they're managing um, the business side of it, but it's quite popular, especially, you know, to inform communities about the right or to report cases of corruption. You also have, of course, as I said, automated legal documents, because that's the simplest uh, business legal tech solution you can develop without access to data. You just have to have access to legal uh, contract templates and a quite easy solution in terms of automation. And that's also highly scalable due to regional harmonization. That's what I was talking about when you talk about OHADA law in 17 countries, which share the same business law. And you also have finally the marketplace model. Like for instance, uh, you create a marketplace just like Uber, but for lawyers. That's challenging on the business side because you also have to have digital payment solutions so you can get uh, the most of it as a company. But that's really popular because uh, you don't really have uh, visibility on um, who's a lawyer, who's a lawyer specialized in family law, who's a lawyer specialized in um, tax, etc. You don't really have that in most countries. And uh, 
many people are willing to pay to have access to it, whether it's citizens, whether it's uh, foreign investors, whether it's local entrepreneurs. So that's basically the, the four trends right now, legal databases, uh, automated legal documents, SMS-based apps, and also marketplaces. Mm -hmm. That's really interesting. And thank you for sharing that with us. I think that the topic is so broad that actually we've just managed to scratch the surface, but that's good to start with. Yeah, right. I mean, uh, I think that our listeners will appreciate this overview of the legal market and the legal tech market of Africa. Uh, so thank you very much, uh, Gibran, uh, for speaking to us today. Thank you, Jan. Uh, we were really happy to have you and maybe in the future, if the opportunity arises, it will be a pleasure to have you on more specific topic so that you can share your expertise with us. Thank you very much. Uh, so take care and thank you again. Take care. Bye. Bye bye.